Welcome to The Rant. I'm your host, Herman James, and on today's episode, David and I are going to be talking about family law and why all men should get a vasectomy. Ooh. Today's show is brought to you by GoDaddy. Buy your own domain name, build your site, or use any of GoDaddy's business tools and save 30% at www.trygodaddy.com forward slash the rant. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. I want to welcome you guys into the conversation I'm having with uh, the lawyer here, David Passera. He is a family law lawyer. Uh, he's here to kind of give us a good overview of what we have no freaking clue of what we should be knowing. And he's actually a big deal. He's been published and high ranking on actual uh, feed spot as well as his books being highly recommended. Are you best selling as well, David? Is that correct? Yeah, depending on the audience, yes. <laughs> nice. Know, the the joy of Amazon is you can be a best-selling author in a very small, very narrow niche. <laughs> hey, best-selling is best-selling. They didn't ask who you were best-selling to. That's right. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> All right. So, David, uh, give us a little breakdown about who you are, why we should uh, be listening to you, and where people can find you and your information. Sure. Um, and, and by the way, thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it uh, because one of one of my missions in life is to to explain to men when they're getting married or when they have a child with somebody, what are the real implications of that? Because for the most part, I think guys are kind of uh, oblivious. You know, basically, it's like we're told, show up at the wedding, show up semi sober, say I do, you're good, and, and you're kind of like done at that point. And, and that's not that's really over. the truth. I mean, you know, <laughs> most men have no idea that marriage is really a contract and that when you get married, what you are contracting is half of your stuff is going to be hers. Half of your income, half of everything that you acquire during marriage is going to be given to her if you should break up in a divorce. And, you know, the same thing is kind of similar to when you have a woman and you get her pregnant. There's a lot of things that kick in like, oh, you're now going to have to pay child support. That's going to be about 25% of your gross paycheck, not net, gross paycheck. Just <laughs> kind of rough numbers start there because you're the dad. You're probably really only going to get every other weekend, Wednesday night pizza dinner when the kid's old enough. Don't be thinking that the kid's three months old and you want your 50% custody because you're supposed to get that. Give me a break. Come on. A three month old. Now, what is if there's a situation where he, the the dad in a divorce would actually be more fiscally relevant than the wife would be and can actually support to have the child more than the woman can? I mean, in California, it tends to be the idea that women, regardless of situation, will always take guardianship over the child. Is that more prevalent to what you see? Well, here's kind of the deal on that. Uh, let's, let's take a look at the finance part of it first. You know, when we're talking about the money, the, the money is just hard numbers. That gets dumped into what's called DisoMaster. It's a computer program. And we plug in your income, her income, how much time the kids are spending with you, how much time the kids are spending with her, Anybody paying property taxes, paying a mortgage, support for other kids, support for other wives. And then it spits out a number. 
And that's pretty much going to just be the number. There's not a whole lot of negotiation that you can do there. Okay. So from a financial standpoint, it's just, it's like black and white. When it comes to the custody, which is a totally different thing, this is where we get into those shades of gray. This is where men tend to set themselves up for failure because they don't know what they don't know and they act in what they think is the way things are supposed to work, but they never bother asking a lawyer to find out. And then they end up coming to me and say like, well, I want my 50% custody and I moved out of the house and the kids are with her. And I'm like, okay, so how old are the kids? Two and four. That's going to be a problem. Where did you move to? Well, I'm in Riverside and she's in San Diego. Dude, give me a break. <laughs> You're 200 miles apart. How do you think 50% custody is going to work? It's just not realistic. You know, you want 50% custody. I want you living within five miles of where mom is. I want you to have a job where you have a lot of flexibility in your time. You need to be available. And that's the reason, truthfully, why women generally end up with the kids. Because dads do something stupid like leave the house or often they're driven from the house. I had one guy who was driven from the house because mom said, listen, either you leave or I'm calling the cops and telling them that you are molesting our two daughters. Golly. Um, yeah, he's going to pack his bags and get out. And that's the smart move. You know, it would have been smarter if we had had that on video. But <laughs> you know, you take what you can get. But now, if you've got those situations going on, and you would think that common conception would be that you're doing this for the benefit of the children, you don't want to have the children in a disruptive, argumentative household. And I, I mean, I grew up in a household where my parents fought and things of that nature, but I didn't have it to the point where we thought it was going to be something severe. My parents never divorced, so I didn't have that kind of idea. I still have the memories of the arguments in the household, and there would be times we would separate out of that for you know cooling down periods. But you would assume that leaving the household would actually benefit you, and then if you had to go to court for custody, you would simply state to the judge that you know it was an unhealthy environment for ourselves, therefore it was for the children as well. So. It was, whether truthful or not, an amicable spit so that you both left uh, the household. And typically, like you said, the male is probably going to leave to go elsewhere and stay for a while. That's now you're saying is an actual deterrent for being able to gain custody? Absolutely. Because those kids are now with mom and we've created what's called status quo. And we don't want to disrupt that if we don't have to. So now we're going to look at it and say, well, all right, so the kids are living with mom primarily. And now what's dad's availability to be a parent? And he's going to come in and say, well, I'm with the kids on the weekend. Well, okay, but here's the thing. If kids are school age, they're in school Monday to Friday. So each parent then gets weekend time to have weekend time with their children to bond, to do things with, to go do activities with. So you're only going to get half of those. So that's why if you want to have a 50% custody, you need to be living close to where mom is, close to where the kids are going to school so that it's easy for the kids to go back and forth. Now, where does that 50% actually become 50% if, if that's the case? Because if 
in this situation, the dad has moved out. Let's say he, he lives within five miles of the old residence and the two children are still with the mom. Where does the 50% come in when they are living with mom and dad's getting every other weekend and the work factor comes into it? Like how, how does that it cut does, for 50%? It doesn't. it doesn't. That's about 20, 25% depending on Friday to Monday, Friday to Sunday, that's usually about 20%, 25% with the add-in Wednesdays. So if you want 50%, you you have to be in a position where you can make the argument that those kids are old enough that they can live on a 2-2-3 schedule. So it's two days with me, two days with mom, three days with me, and then we rotate. Or week on, week off. Or maybe it's a 3-4, so it's three days with me, four days with mom. And then we flip that. So... To get to the 50%, we have to have children that are mature enough, that are close enough to us physically, emotionally, that we have the wherewithal to make this happen, that your job is not going to interfere with your being able to get the kids to school, to pick the kids up from school. These are all the factors that go into it. You know, when, when you get into the, the real nitty gritty of, of family life, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen with kids and you've got to be on it. And if you're not on it, you're going to get thrown to the wayside really quickly here because someone else is going to step up. And usually that's going to be mom because dad has got the career. Dad's been working to pay the bills. So he's been putting in the overtime. He's been building up that career. So now he can't come back and say, well, I need to take time off from work so I can have time with the kids. The court's going to be like, uh, yeah, no. You have to keep paying child support based off of the income that you were earning because we don't want you to take a lower job so that you don't give mom enough money. And see, that's like a crock of shit. Yeah, because it's a total catch 22. And this is where guys set themselves up. <laughs> and this is why I'm like, you know, when, I, when I'm talking on the Men's Family Law podcast and I'm trying to get guys to understand, like, dude. You have to look at all of the factors before you make a move. You need to talk to a lawyer before you do something. I mean, I, I can't tell you in the 20 years of practice how many times women have come into my office, they do a consult, and they're not planning to get divorced today, tomorrow, this year. They're thinking two years down the road. God. They're planning this stuff. That's ridiculous. They're planning how to get their credit positioned. Okay, so she's in charge of the money, right? happens guys come in here honey take my paycheck pays the bills he's good you know there's food on the table the mortgage is covered everything's working fine he's thinking oh great marriage it's working what he's not realizing because he's not paying attention is she's making minimum payments on his credit card bills paying her credit card debt off <laughs> what she's doing is buying something for the house that's going to show up on a credit card statement or a check statement and then returning it for cash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. So two years down the road, she's got a stockpile of cash, perfect credit, hits him with the restraining order and a petition for divorce. He comes into my office and he's like, I don't know what happened. I, I thought we were fine. I'm like, okay, let me just ask you this one question, dude. How many times in the last year did you guys have sex? And the answer I usually get is, I don't know, three or four. I'm like, okay, those were diversions. 
that was to keep you thinking that everything is okay in your relationship. Because you got laid every three or four months. You're like, oh, the relationship's fine. And it's uh, not fine. It's hugely in danger at that point. And it baffles me how many people don't actually keep a look at their own financial standings, whether it's bank statements, whether it's credit cards, things of that nature, when they do hand the money over to one person in a relationship. I mean, I the relationship I'm at, we have separate and joint accounts. We have access to all of them, but we're all watching everything because we just don't trust the companies, not each other. We're asking, why did our internet bill go up 30% and nothing's changed. So we're, we're looking at things on a daily basis to make sure it goes that way. And we both work between 60 and 80 hours a week. So it's not that we have time to do things. And it, it astounds me that people that don't look at statements and don't look at their own money to kind of keep things on the up and up for themselves to keep other companies, you know, it, things that you normally would purchase under wraps. I have a few family friends and a few friends, uh, uh, parents that don't even do online banking because they don't trust the system. And it's, I feel those kind of people that are easily uh, able to take a, be taken advantage of because they're trusting that you're doing the right thing without any equivocation for, it and just kind of letting it go nonchalantly. And, and, but here's the thing in most relationships where there's division of labor, you know, there's still this myth of the perfect little leave it to beaver household. Mr. Beaver goes to work and Mrs. Beaver takes care of the kids, right? And she stays home and she's a stay at home mom. Like that happens anywhere in America today yeah. for the vast majority of us. But it's still the dream of everybody, right? Of course. So what they do is they do this division of labor where it's like, okay, I'm making the money. Your job is to like take care of the household and I'll mow the lawn and deal with the gardener and the plumber. And they just think like, okay, well, I'm doing my part. So she's doing her part. So we're working together as a partnership. And that works until one party wants out. And as soon as that one party wants out, now they have to position themselves for the long haul. Usually it's the woman because usually she's the one who's looking at the relationship and going, I'm not satisfied. This isn't what I want. I want better. I want richer. I want more. Completely ignoring the fact that like as a you know, 40 plus year old woman with one to four kids and an ex-husband, your odds of finding another man are definitely dwindling. I'll Whereas get apps for that. He, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas he at 40 is going to find himself suddenly being seduced by 20 year olds and 30 year olds and 40 year olds and 50 year olds and 60 year olds. The entire spectrum of women are looking at him and going, ooh, he's available. And he has the options from 20 to 60. Well, most 60-year-old men that can date a 20 or 30-year-old are going to pick the 20 or 30-year-old over the 40-year-old with two, three, four kids. And a prescription, uh, a prescription for Viagra. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> bingo. Which, by the way, also leads me to why I tell all my clients, all of them, get a vasectomy. <laughs> Do you want to start getting paid for listening to podcasts, especially The Rant? I know you do. It's free money and why not do it? Download the PodCoin app. 
It's free for Androids or iPhones. Use the code THERANT to get 300 points right off the bat for downloading the app. You can turn the points into free gift cards for Starbucks, Target, and a whole bunch of other things. Things are added every day for doing what you're already doing, listening to podcasts. Download the PodCoin app or check out thehermanjames.com for links. And don't forget to use the promo code THERANT for your free 300 points. to a happy life get a vasectomy never get married again live a happy life i i just interviewed a doctor uh for the men's family law podcast i think it's episode 47 or 48 something like that and it's all about what's really involved in getting a vasectomy now i'm a single gay guy so it's like i don't really need a vasectomy (laughs) but i was actually thinking like I should actually go and get one and like live stream it and record the whole process just so I could explain to guys like this is what you're going to experience and this is why you need to do it because it's like 10 minutes. I, mean, I hope you play during minutes. your like Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving, like everyone's at the dinner table and you go, everyone, take a look at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of funny. But I was just thinking like, It'd make a great episode to actually go through the process, like have that interview with the doctor. What's the intake like? What's the actual procedure? You know, one of my clients actually did take my advice and get when got his vasectomy about four weeks ago. And we're talking, and I'm like, so you know, I we're close friends, so I can get a little bit more graphic with him. I'm like, so what was it like? And he's like, well, let me tell you, it's pretty interesting having a man shave your nuts talking about hunting <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> that you know, is I the genius. same thing to a buck last week so this is good I've, I've <laughs> right but i'm just like dude it's a 10 minute procedure you spend the weekend on the couch ordering pizza watching basketball with as tv tells me a bag of peanuts on your nuts or not yeah, peanuts or peas of- excuse me peas carrots whatever whatever you want but see, yeah, I think literally. it comes into the idea of at that point, you're questioning not not so much your virility, but your ability to procreate. And people don't want to have. I got an answer for that one. Way. Episode forty six or forty seven was I interviewed a, a president of a sperm bank. <laughs> and if you go and if you listen to that episode, there's a promo code in there. I think you get fifty bucks off for a year of storing your sperm. And I tell all my guys, if you're really thinking you're going to want to have kids, listen, go bank a couple bags of sperm, go get your vasectomy. You've always got a backup plan and you're good for the rest of your life. You don't ever have to worry about the unintended consequences of a little spur of the moment shag, which seriously, 18 years of giving up 25% of your gross paycheck versus a copay. Now, I'm not a really bright guy, <laughs> but I'm thinking like $30 versus $200,000. Yeah. I would take the $30 deal. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be done by a guy named, you know, Sven in a windowless van. You're going into a shop. So you're going to, you know, you go to the best urologist in town 
they they do this procedure and it literally like they don't even they they literally call it the scalpelless procedure because they just like make a little opening, pull out the vast deferens, clip it, cut clip it off, tuck it back in, put a band-aid on it and literally you're like ready to go. There's nothing to it. And then it's California for us over here on the West Coast. So if it goes wrong, someone gets pregnant, you sue them and you make tons more money. So there you go. Oh, if only. If only. (laughs) Yeah, they don't actually do that. Those wrongful birth lawsuits just don't work. Although there's one interesting one coming out of, I think, Texas or Louisiana where they're doing a wrongful abortion. It's going to be really interesting to see where that case goes, where the courts are allowing a man to sue a doctor who performed an abortion without getting his permission for the, and it's, he's suing on the, for the rights of the unborn now deceased child. Do you have to get both parties permission? No. How about no. Say, I thought it was just, See, here's, the thing, here's the thing with abortion, you know, that the whole argument of like pro-life pro-choice, whatever, you know, late term, early term. I, I don't really care. It's like, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. From our perspective, men have ultimate choice right up to the moment of conception. And at the moment of conception forward, that choice flips to the woman and she's in charge. So all these guys who were like, I want to be able to perform a financial abortion on my baby mama because I didn't approve of having that kid. Dude, doesn't wash. Your choice was on the front end. Your choice was who are you going to get involved with? What are you going to do? Are you going to protect yourself? Yeah, you had fun in the act of. Now the results of it are something you didn't choose to want to have with. That should have been something that you knew about before you got into that situation. And how to control it after the fact is something that you should have known about before beforehand and if you didn't then you don't you do not have the right to choose because at that point and i go to the far extreme of that where if the option has to be given to by both then the woman that was raped can't get an abortion because the person that actually raped her chose not to prove therefore she has to you know, ruin her life, body, whatever it might be for that person's child that she didn't want to have in the first place that is right. within her body. Right. Exactly. And that's so it's um, a, SVE. It, it, but it's <laughs> another example of like men need to know really what the law is and where their rights are. And that's why I do what I do. I'm trying to explain to men and get them to understand where they really do have rights versus what they think are their rights. And that makes sense. And like we talked about before the episode came on, a majority of my education and knowledge or what I assume to be knowledge in situations comes a lot from what's put out in publications for actual news, not what's on you know, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, because that's not actually news, um, as well as what I see a lot of the times within movies and tv things of that nature that kind of you know hit on certain topics and issues granted i do have people in my life when it comes to family law that have dealt with divorces that have dealt with uh marriage rights that have dealt with uh, you know separations with children uh my brother was one of the first legal gay marriages in the state of california 
So that was a pretty cool thing to see and how that kind of went out. I was able to meet Senator Leno and doing those kind of things, which is something that I didn't expect to ever happen in my lifetime to be part of something that big and substantial. But I've also met people that have never got married that have tried to split things after, you know, 30 years of non-marriage. How do you kind of split for that? And one of the big things I laugh at a lot of people when they're opposed to gay marriage and I'm absolutely for it. And I'm not for gay marriage because of everyone should have equal rights. I think that should be unanimous regardless. I don't think sex, I don't think any sort of religion, any sort of, um, you know, sexuality of any sort should dictate whether or not you have rights. I think everyone should have the same human rights that are given to everyone across the board. However, I do feel that gay men and women got away with getting divorced on the cheap while the rest of the world had to pay for things because it was against law to get married. Therefore, no divorce lawyer. How did we contact it? Now we're all even. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. You know, I, I to a degree, I, I see your point. And like, okay, because we couldn't get married, we means we didn't get divorced but we ended up having partnership disputes over you know when couples would buy a property together or when one partner had a rent controlled apartment we'd have those issues so there yeah. there, there, was, there were some different issues you know oh, absolutely the whole inheritance issues and then there was certainly the whole medical care decision making issue so and the, and then there's those little things like social security like how come i get to pay into social security but my spouse can't access the spousal benefits under social security because we're not allowed to get married. So, you know, there's good with bad and everything. And uh, on balance, I think we're better off having everybody be allowed to get married. Oh, I completely agree. There should be zero reason why anyone is not allowed to get married. Let me backstep that one. Any rightful people should not get married. I don't think everyone should get married because that, that entail opened up the door for, you know, me to marry my sister and my fourth cousin. And that's a little bit weird. And I, I'm not okay with that part of it, but everything else. Yeah. I'm okay with, because it does open benefits. Like you said, it, you don't get to have your significant other on your medical benefits, but right. what if they are a stay at home spouse? They take care of the household, which is equally as difficult and then some places more demanding than it would be if you're going to work every day. There's no reason why that should not be allowed. Exactly. Exactly. So equal opportunity. I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't like equal opportunity. Yeah. And, they're not and, so into it. No. And they're the ones that get pissed off when things go back to them. I didn't agree with uh, the catering company that didn't want to make a wedding for a gay marriage. It, it, the exact same cake. You're making it for everyone. What's what's the difference? Yeah, I I, I got mixed feelings on that one because I do. I, I mean, I kind of it's like I I have the option uh, as a legal professional to say I don't want to represent somebody. Correct. So, and I've done that. I mean, I've I've kicked people out of my office. I've said, "Get you, you're no longer." Don't don't ever darken my doorstep again. <laughs> um, God, that was a she was just crazy. Um, <laughs> and I've had men who are crazy. I mean, I uh, I'm an equal opportunity. Like you're you're nuts. Get go away. Yeah, I'm not dealing with you. I think in terms of California, in particular, where it's considered an at will state, the issue is that when 
you decide to refuse service to anyone. You have that right. And that's an inane right that every business professional has. But when you specifically cite the reason for doing it and it's a discriminatory reason, that's where I start getting offended by things. And that is where I think a lot of people get into trouble, but then they hide behind the right to refuse service. So it's it's to me, that sounds like a gray zone. Like you have the right to refuse, but as soon as you give the rationale for the right to refuse, that's a discriminatory reason. I don't want to do it because you're black. I don't want to do it because you're female. I don't want to do it because you're gay. And I don't believe in that. Oh, I don't like that. That then causes an actual legal, in my opinion, of course, because I'm not a lawyer. I don't really know for sure, but that caused a legal issue at that point when it's specifically stated or written down. Right. Yeah. Uh you know, we're getting into the the weird area of like constitutional law, employment law, and <laughs> stuff I don't deal with on a regular basis. I'm more of the like, let's talk about domestic violence and how that's used <laughs> offensively these days. You know, because that's a topic that has just radically changed the the male female dynamic. You know, and, and as we're in the world of Me Too at the moment, um, mm-hmm. I see what's happened like with the domestic violence world as very much what will happen with the me too sexual harassment world you know in 20 years ago when oj killed nicole brown simpson and that was a real watershed moment in domestic violence litigation and and thought the world changed i mean we went from that's a private matter to we are getting involved and we are keeping people apart and we are separating those abusive people from the victims. And the problem with that is, is that it made being a victim a really attractive thing over the last 20 years. It's become super powerful in family court. You know, you're the victim of domestic violence. You get the kids, you get the house. The perpetrator gets put into anger management classes, battery inter- batterers intervention classes. They've got to go to anger management classes. They have to get supervised visitation to see the children. So now you're paying fifty to hundred dollars per hour to see your kids for two to three hours on a Saturday. <laughs> well, on top of that, you now also get to pay a much higher rate of child support because the victim spouse or the victim parent has more custodial time with the kids, which means that they're going to get a higher child support award. (laughs) So now you're not in your house, you're paying child support. You're possibly paying alimony, your spousal support. You're paying for anger management. You're paying for supervised visitation. You're paying for batters intervention classes. You're paying for a parenting course. You're paying for a first aid course. You're paying, you're paying, you're paying. And all of a sudden it's like, what the heck happened? And when you dial it back and you look at what sparked it all, it was a declaration, which is just a statement to the judge, in theory under penalty of perjury, but people lie all the time. No. Saying that saying that they <laughs> that the victim is in giant air quotes here, afraid of the perpetrator because they are giant air quotes harassing me. And literally, that's the sort of thing that can get a domestic violence restraining order started. And there needs to be zero sort of evidence. And I know it's a slippery slope when I say that because of 
TV and movies and everything that goes around saying that the victims were afraid to say anything. That's why there were no reports filed. There's nothing stated. But they're able to make this statement without having any sort of backing or supporting evidence. Well, if you tell me you're afraid of me, how do I prove you're not? Okay. Right? I mean, we've, unless I can prove that we have never met, there's really no way of, of proving that. You could be afraid of anybody. And, and that, because that is basically like the, the, the key that opens the lock for all of the stuff. Is just a statement of, oh, I'm afraid. Like, huh, okay. That's kind of a giant hole you could land a 787 in. Golly. Now you, there's no yeah. question of why or trying to have a background to that. That could, in some cases, help or lighten things a little bit or just kind of take an on-face value. Um, in our conversation today, we have both gotten loud that is grounds. If you walk into court and say, I am afraid because the other person is raising their voice to me, that's grounds. Golly. Yeah, seriously. I mean, dude, it's unbelievable. And, and, and the flip side is this though, when you're the man going into court and you're saying, I'm being abused, I'm being harassed, I'm afraid for my safety, blah, 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 blah. The judge looks at you and says one of two things. Um, A, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. <laughs> or B, and this is, the, this is the fun one. You're bigger than her. Why can't you defend yourself? <laughs> so, the, and, and here's the thing. The minute you go to defend yourself, what's happened? Now you're now the aggressor. Exactly. And she's going to be playing the victim. And all of a sudden, anything she does is, quote, unquote, in self-defense. And that's the way this game is played. And men don't know this. They don't understand it. They don't understand like how to play this game and what they have to do to set the other side up to protect themselves. That's crazy. It's really bad. So now, in the terms that we go through here, so now this has kind of gone through fruition. It's come up and then... This has all been stated to it. How does it differ from a husband and wife to a husband and husband or wife and a wife doing the same thing? Now, theoretically, you're on even playing field. It is same sex being divorced with potentially children being involved. What if there things are played equally on that? Is there something that differs from court on that end? There's a little, not really. Um, when we're dealing with same sex couples going in and dealing with domestic violence issues, um, it is very much a race to the courthouse um, because it is viewed like, okay, whoever gets there first probably really is the victim. Um, and, and honestly, I got to say, in my own experience, that's probably the truth, primarily because when people are going into court to, seek a restraining order and, and they're in a same sex relationship, they're already protecting themselves. 
and and they're not going to go in and and set themselves up. Okay. Um, it, it it's been my experience that in those situations, when I actually look at it, the the victim usually actually is being victimized, and, and because there's it's not as common for gay couples to have children and to be fighting over custody of the kids, because so often those children are product of IVF. There's a lot more thought that goes into it. You know, most gay men don't accidentally have children together. <laughs> kind of got to like go to the surrogate and pay a lot of money and do some thinking about this. I mean, that just so can't randomly happen. Something that's going on is usually really well-founded. Yeah. And I would assume that there's been good amount of talk conversation behind everything that goes through it. You're not also just picking someone off of Craigslist if Craigslist is still. Well, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Um, <laughs> I had a case, gays versus lesbians. This was quite the interesting case. Oh, nice. Mom wanted to be a mom and posted an ad literally on Craigslist. Oh, Hand to God, it was on Craigslist. Uh, looking for a co-parent to raise a child with, um, preferably uh, with the following uh, physical characteristics. And my client, a um, extremely hot, extremely Brazilian underwear model, nice. literally cannot make that up. Could not make that up in a million years. He literally was a Brazilian underwear model. Applied and got approved. And Underwater. they met. And I know. <laughs> shocking. And they met and decided to try and have a kid. Well, they ended up going to an IVF facility uh, uh, having a, what's it called? A, a bottle baby. Okay. And everything was fine for two years. And he, dad's paying child support and dad's seeing the, the, the son every week. They're getting together at the park. They're doing things. But as the son gets to be two and coming up on three, dad wants overnights and dad wants more time. Mom didn't like this idea. Huh. So mom decides that now dad was just a sperm donor. And as a sperm donor, he has no rights. Jesus. No, she's still taking the child support. Don't, don't, don't think that she's not taking the money. Yeah. But that is just a gift out of the goodness of his heart. Right. <laughs> so we ended up doing this huge battle in court. I mean, we spent, I don't know, probably a week in front of a judge arguing whether he was or wasn't a sperm donor because they had misrepresented themselves to the IVF facility and they had held themselves out as a couple and they had done some other things. And it was just this mess. And at the end of it, the judge comes back and says, well, they weren't legally married. So I think actually he is technically a sperm donor. <laughs> the problem I have is that the kid is now bonded to him and he's a dad on a regular basis. So what I want to do is order he's going to continue to have visitation with the kid even though he's a sperm donor <laughs> just like just a That's mental loop-de-loop -loop for a judge to come up with this ruling <laughs> so all right fine whatever we go through that whole thing and we things settle down after a couple of years so mom had been in a relationship and that relationship eventually ran its course and she breaks up with her girlfriend who then sues her because she has bonded with the son 
and she wants time with the kid. <laughs> oh man. And it was just this like gays versus lesbians court battle that just continued to the point where mom comes back to my client and says, we were enemies, but now I need you on my side against my ex-girlfriend to prove that she shouldn't have custody and she shouldn't have visitation. It's just this nightmare scenario. That's the weirdest threes company I've ever heard of. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It was a wacky, wacky case, man. Oh, that's crazy. And see, that brings the question to my mind of if you were to go to, you know, the IVF and pick out of what media tells me is a catalog of people that say things that aren't necessarily correct about themselves in the description and choose that. Is there a legal precedent to have that person find out that you've used their sperm to have a child and them to be able to find you or vice versa? No, um, not from a legal standpoint. Uh, What's happening though is as as people who were test tube babies that's the phrase i was looking for um as people are now aging into the system and they're adults what they're doing is they're finding their their anonymous sperm donors by way of 23andme okay they're submitting their own dna to the databases and finding out well what's my history and then it you know because 23andme comes back and says oh well you're a 75% match for this one, which means that your first cousin's twice removed. Um, and then they start doing this like daisy chain of people to try and figure out like who was the man that donated the sperm. And so now that guy who was originally a sperm donor and wanted anonymity is being found out by people who were going through the, the 23andMe and I forget the other service. Uh, Ancestry.com? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, Not being promoted, just say names here. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You know, and they're finding their, 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 their dad, who's not really their dad. He's just a biological donor at that point. Um, and for those men who have donated, sometimes it's, it's a wonderful thing. And sometimes they're like, I never wanted this. Go away. Yeah. I, 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 you're not supposed to be part of my life. And now there's no yeah. legal ramifications for said donor, right? They, no one can come after them and be like, well, we use this and now we need child support. I mean, I've only seen right. this in like TV and movies where they can come and say that you donated you to this, even though you signed this, well, you are the legal uh, father for the child. Therefore you owe 25%. That's not an actual real life scenario. Correct. Um, not if you have done everything the way you're supposed to. If you have gone and donated to an actual sperm bank and signed all the documents and properly maintained your anonymity, you are off the hook. It gets messy when you get into cases like where they're known donors and they're like in the, like this case with gays versus lesbians. He was a known donor and the court could have said, uh, you are on the hook because you've represented that you're the dad. But because mom didn't want him on the hook, the court could also look at it and say, well, you were just the sperm donor, so we're not going to get let you have paternity rights. You know, That was one of the big issues with Jason Patrick, I think. Jason Patrick and his girlfriend decided to like have a kid, break up, 
then she gets pregnant then they get back together again then there's like he wants to raise the kid and she doesn't want him involved anymore and it was just this huge nightmare um i don't even know where it is anymore at this point um but that was another case where it's like here's somebody who is crossing boundaries between like is it ivf is it sperm donor are we just doing this as a couple you know and in california now that we've actually got three parents are now allowable on birth certificates i did not know that yeah yeah we're we're going in that we we're allowing that now because the the medicine is allowing us to do these sorts of things i i was not aware of that that yeah. I, i'm not opposed to that either i think if you have three parents whether it is some three's company from the original inception, or if it is a uh, marriage divorce to a new parent and they're there, they're actual physical parents too. I think that is a rightful thing to be able to have on there. If they're going that way, I do have a little bit of a standoffishness that if you are going to a clinic or you are using a donor and the understanding is put forth by either side that they don't want to be part of that. I don't think it should be a force upon them to have it on there. Uh, then again, I'd be freaking myself out if I put myself on 23 and mean to find out that my donor was a freaking golden state killer here in Sacramento. Now I'm shitting bricks. Like what, what'd you do? Yeah, it, it gets really messy. And you know, as the technology gets better and better in some ways, it also becomes more complex for us dealing with it from a legal perspective. Um, because we don't necessarily have the tools to handle three adults as parents. Yeah. You know? Who's paying child support? How much do you have to pay? How much, how much should they be paying? <laughs> What's a fair amount? Who gets child support? And a weird twist to that is, what about the parents that have a split in their relationship, they get divorced, and they have an agreed upon? Un, uh, it's a non-legal agreement that they've said, okay, well, you don't pay for child support if you pay for X, Y, or Z. And kind of go for it that way, and maybe it's not agreed upon. Um, the one I know in particular is like um, they were divorced, and the father agreed to pay for the child to go through college and pay for all expenses for college. It's a, it's a far extreme if they're divorced when the child's eight years old. You're not paying anything for ten plus years. Now they get into college, and you have to pay for that part of it. Is there? anything that people should do legally to have that put into writing is there any reprieve to go back and say hey well this wasn't paid for now we want this and that or is there anything to put in place where you can say well this was a non-binding and non-legal agreement but he hasn't paid for anything or she hasn't paid for anything the entire life now not paying for this because the child's not going to college and i want my money for what i've put out there because i broke or a rightful to it or anything that extent. Yeah. The key there is that what you said was it's non-binding, non-legal. Um, that that's what causes the problem. So you need to have something in writing because if without that, you know, mom, you're SOL and kid, you're SOL. If dad doesn't want to put you through college. So that's the sort of situation where what we would craft is some sort of agreement that says, mom's entitled to $500 a month child support, which shall be stayed or waived contingent upon dad paying all of these expenses, including college 
so that mom has the right to come back and say, listen, he's not paying for college. I want my child support. Give me my $6,000 a year for 18 years plus 10% interest. And shit. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a there was a mom and she just went back and, and she got fell on hard times and realized that the father of her children had never paid the $300 a month or whatever it was, child support that was ordered in like 1974. Golly. Yeah. So she opened up a case and she said, he's never paid me and he owns a house and he's got all these assets. I want my money and took him back to court. And I think she was owed like $170,000 and they settled for like 150. (laughs) That's a, that's a, that that's stuff a... never goes away, man. You owe child support. It's 18 years and it doesn't go away. You cannot discharge it in bankruptcy. They will take your driver's license. They will take your passport. They would take my bar card. They would take any professional license you have. Yeah. They will take your they will take your tax returns. You win the lottery, they'll take your lottery winnings. Dude, child support is like the worst thing. <laughs> You can't. Well, it, it, you have I mean, to pay it. Inherently needed to be paid for because a child can't fend for themselves unless they're put into a factory right. in China and making Nikes for people. But it's a whole other. That's all. Other problem. <laughs> We're not gonna go there. It's something that they they can't fend for themselves, and it's already hard enough to be a parent, let alone being a single parent and paying for everything, especially in the state of California, where everything is so much more expensive. I think than any other state in most countries. But right. I, I I feel that child support isn't something that should be considered a right. It's a requirement because if you're with the significant other, you're both working your ass off to pay for things and pay for the child. And no, I don't think that child support is always going to be equal to if you were there with someone, but it's not the fact that you're paying more because you're away. You're paying more because that is what it has to be. I think in a lot of cases that I've had friends that, their parents got child support for them. They were getting a bargain price. And I think $500 a month for a child is a bargain price to pay for a child support when it would cost exponentially more than that to have a child in your life. I mean, I've got a dog and that thing's expensive. So I can Ah. imagine having a child. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, the, the way the numbers work out, depending on how much money you're earning, it can be a lot of money or it can be not a lot of money. And and frankly, I don't think it's um, really up for debate as to whether or not it should be paid. I, I think there should be some kind of controls on it. Yeah. I, I personally would love to see some more equality in the system, but that's a battle that I'm not going to win, so I'm going <laughs> to just walk away from that one. Well, I also think it's hard to owe child support and then take away someone's ability to pay it. If they take away your bar card, you can't do law. You can't work the profession that you have trained to do to earn money. Uh, and well, here's the thing. Here's the thing on that. They don't really take it away. What they do is they say, until you come up with a payment plan, we're not going to let you do anything. Okay. So they, we get these cases all the time. Guys call us like, yeah, I'm $5,000 behind on my child support. And they, they took away my driver's license and I'm a truck driver. And it's like, well, that was going to be my reference right there too. (laughs) You, you need to call, you know, and and bring in $1,500 and we'll go down to the court and we're going to get you on a payment plan. 
And what ends up happening is, is we'll walk in and we'll talk to the district attorney. We'll talk to the judge and we'll say, listen, here's what he's earning. Here's what the award is. Here's what he can pay towards the arrears. And it's, you pay the current stuff. You put $25 a month or $50 a month towards what you owed. And they release your driver's license so you can go back to work. They put you on a payment plan. And it's, it's just the, the lever to get you to show up. And it should work. I think people are still assholes and like they're going to dodge it and run. Yeah. I've had a couple of those. I've had a couple of those guys. I mean, I've, I've had the, the guy call me from Costa Rica and he's literally like, I don't have a passport. I know I can come back to the States, but once I come back, I won't be able to leave. I've got to get this thing cleared up. What's it going to cost me to have you go and negotiate the past child support so that I can get my passport released again. I mean, and he owed like legitimately a quarter million dollars. Oh, I mean, it was, it was not like $20,000. It was a big chunk. And here's the part that I found just hysterical. He didn't have any trouble coming up with my retainer. And when I negotiated a dollar amount in well into the six figures, he had no problem coming up with it. It's like, why didn't you just pay it all along? Why go through all this crap? Yeah. Because doing it through you want is saving money. He didn't want to because she was playing games with the kids and wouldn't let the kids see him. And he was got it all butt hurt. And it's like, all right, well, send me my $10,000 retainer and we'll go fight this out. <laughs> and see, that's the thing is playing games with kids being the token. I don't find that fair for the kids, but I also find that certain situations it's probably warranted that like you have to do that to get your point across or to get things taken care of. I don't think no. the rifle thing, but no. yeah, no, sorry. Okay. You don't, you do not screw with the kids in my book. You don't in terms you of do whatever you want to do with your ex. Yeah. You do not screw with the kids. Well, I mean, in terms of, you know, the visitation. What if the guy hasn't paid? Now he wants to take the kids somewhere, but doesn't matter. Pay for it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. Because that's affecting the kids. True. And you're their relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, the reason why so many girls end up molested, working the streets, working the pole is because they don't have fathers in their lives. Okay. That's a problem. Agreed. And, it, it, and and that is something that we need to deal with. If we want to address those issues, we have to dial it back and take a look at where does it come from. And a lot of times it comes from lack of a father and a father figure in their household. And that's why this is important because it's affecting the kids. The money issues are the money issues. Mom, tough. You picked him. You chose him. You knew from the get-go what this guy was going to be like. Don't be telling me like now he's a jerk. Like, I don't care. Yeah. He still needs to have time with his kids because the kids need the father. The kids need the parenting. And I agree. I think if the, if both parties are trying to be there for the children, I think there shouldn't be something that puts them back through it and having an issue or having withdrawals for it. I do think that if there are issues where they want to pick and choose when they can and can't see a child, 
maybe they're set up like you said the the two threes or maybe it's every other weekend well they don't want to do this weekend because they're gonna go to i don't know costa rica for the weekend with their new girlfriend you know fluffy or whatever so they want to change the weekend on this day that takes away your time with the kids that you planned i think that's when it starts getting like a ticky tacky back and forth and that does affect the kids but i think that is something that needs to be worked out in you know way 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 ahead of time with the parents and kind of going out that way forward or if there are unpaid child support coming through that needs to be addressed you know initially versus you know five years down the road where now you haven't got a dime and now's the time when you start, you know, filing things and kind of putting things into light. Yeah. You know, it's just people get their own ego wrapped up in the stuff and they forget who's really being affected. Yeah. They forget that it's the kids that are being affected. Now, when it comes to having the things that are for divorce, if you're going to go for that uh, route for it, when it comes to, like you talked about, doing a separation of items, whether it's uh, going to be your home or your pets, is that something you see on a regular basis as well? It's kind of what you're dealing with and kind of the fighting over that and how that kind of comes forth? We've fought over all kinds of things. You know, I tell people I've spent 20 years fighting over children in Tupperware. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I literally have fought over Tupperware. I mean, I have fought over some of the stupidest <laughs> things of all time. When my very first divorce I ever did 20 odd years ago, we weren't fighting over the house. We weren't fighting over the pensions, the 401ks, the IRAs. We weren't even fighting over the dog. We were fighting over those stupid terry cloth bar napkins that they bought <laughs> on their honeymoon in Ireland that said Harp and Guinness. Jesus. Are you kidding me? Buy new ones. Exactly. Burn them. Who cares? Yeah. It's like, give me a break. It's a memento from a, from a honeymoon that you should want to forget. Yeah, exactly. A time in the past that you're trying to get rid of in the future. Yeah, but that's what we were fighting over. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. People are crazy, dude. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't think I've heard of anything else of people trying to retain things or hide things uh, from each other. I I think that if I were to split, we would definitely argue over who gets our dogs because we've had those things for uh, the eldest one will be 11 here in uh, a few months. So that would be an argument of who's getting whom to where and who's taking care of what. We're taking this. I'm taking the dog. No, you're not taking this dog. You could take a collar. I'm taking the dog. That, that would be the <laughs> hardcore fight. Like we wouldn't even fight over the house. I mean, like, oh, whatever, sure. But the dog, that, that's who's getting who. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's like when my partner and I split up, we had a house in Topanga and a house in Santa Monica, and we had Dudley. And Dudley was a five-year-old dachshund at that point. And I said, we're not going to fight over the homes. Those were easy to split up. I was moving back into the Santa Monica one. He kept the Topanga one. <laughs> and I said, I'm taking Dudley, and you can have as much visitation as you want. Whenever you want him, he is yours. I wasn't going to fight over that. Yeah. Yeah. I happen to know that because of his work schedule, which was, you know, 16 hour days, six days a week, I, we wasn't really giving up very much. <laughs> he wasn't going to have him a whole lot. Of, so whenever he wanted him, take him, go right ahead. Yeah. But that actually became the foundation for a book I wrote called What About Wally? Co-parenting a pet with your ex, which is all about how do you share a dog with somebody? 
because there's a lot of aspects to, to sharing an animal. There's transportation back and forth. There's vacations. There's veterinary decisions. There's who's paying for that. How do you split that time up? Do toys go back and forth? I mean, it's <laughs> a whole, there's a whole pet parenting plan in this book on what about Wally? Oh, that is awesome. Where can they find the book? They can go to whataboutwally.com. Uh, it's right there. And it's also on Amazon. That is awesome. I don't think people think about that uh, when it comes down to it. And as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, like, how do we do this? Like, even nowadays, we take the dogs in my car because I drive what I lovingly call the, the lesbian wagon because I have a 99 Legacy Outback. And yeah. <laughs> that is quintessentially what people were driving in the late to, or late 90s, early 2000s. And it was like, I, yeah. I call it Ellen. Like, that's what it is. Like, it, I'm not even ashamed about it. I'm, I'm fine with it. It's got a cassette deck tape in there, and it's Melissa Etheridge just stuck in there, and it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but we put the dogs in my car because it's an older car, and it's a station wagon, and dogs can fit in the back of, and her car's nice and new, and we're not doing that to a new car. So everything revolves around when the dogs have to go somewhere, we rotate cars. They go in the SUV because that makes more sense. And then when it comes to decisions, it's, you know, Let's take him here. Let's do this. Let's figure this out jointly together. And then we run ideas by each other. Okay, well, if this happens, then that happens. I think being separated, our work schedules wouldn't align well. So it would be making a decision on the fly and hoping to God damn that she doesn't get angry at it. Well, there's that. But then there's like, you know, there's visitation plans. Like Dudley would go back and forth. I would have him Monday to Friday. Wednesday night, he would have dinner with dad and then he would spend the weekends Friday night to Monday morning with my ex and his new husband. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People look at us and they're like, dude, you're so gay. You're so <laughs> Los Angeles gay. I'm like, eh. I don't know. Do? I, I gave my brother. Keep than kids. <laughs> I gave my brother the, uh, the, uh, Rashness shit for being gay for proposing to his husband at the gay wine wedding festival in Sonoma County. And they gathered all of the camera crews that went out there and he got down on one knee and I'm like, you know, you could have taken the ring out of the Tiffany box before you took it out of the pocket, right? Like you didn't need to have that big teal box. It was, oh, I, I, I for sure did. I really actually did. Yeah, no, he did. <laughs> you, you're buying the box, dude. Yeah, exactly. The, the ring is really secondary. Yeah. It's the box that matters. Because hey, it could have been not a Tiffany's ring in there. It could have been something else, but the box that everyone saw. And He could have bought the ring at Walgreens. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if the box is blue, that's what matters. And they all saw it. And then I, I told him that I, I was a little upset at his wedding. And he looked at me like I was a little ridiculous for it. And he asked why. And I simply told him because I expected more from gay weddings and his, oh. <laughs> yeah, his, his husband looks at me and goes, what did you expect? I was like, well, I first expected you both to be brought in on elephants and giraffes would be flanking the sides up here. You then have like Asian acrobatics coming down from those linen things, swirling down from the roofs and this big light show and things like this. He goes, you're thinking of carnival or a circus. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I am. And that's what I expected this to be. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. 
Good for them, though. How long have they been married? Uh... Think this is they just got married uh, last year, last February. Oh wow! So that was theirs for that. That was was uh, my brother's second wedding. <laughs> nice. So they, he's done pretty well. The first one didn't work out. Uh, just wasn't meant to be. But uh, yeah. they kind of like I said, they had a big deal with Leno coming to do that one, so they couldn't. Pardon the pun. They couldn't pull out. So yeah, we're moving on now. <laughs> so this one was a little more fun. I'm still trying to steal his shoes because they're wood grain looking shoes. I liked them, but uh, it was fun. It was wow. a good time. And uh, yeah, cool. It was definitely nice to see and definitely nice to be a part of it. I have never seen so many men in one room dancing with each other though. Yeah. Well, you have been to a gay bar that much. I have been actually. <laughs> In Sacramento, they've got a few gay bars here that we used to frequent quite a bit. Uh, They had before, I think, seven or eight o'clock at night, it was like 75 cent shots. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So we would get hammered and go out to the gay bars. Yeah. And then we'd go dancing in gay bars. And then uh, the girlfriend would get mad at me because I would give her a kiss and the bartender stopped giving me drinks. Well, yeah. She's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you are an idiot. <laughs> I was like, I, so, sorry. I, so, so how often did you get hit on in these bars? A few times. I, how did that go over? I just laughed. What's it touched. like for you as a straight man to be hit on by another man? I just laughed off, took it as a compliment and just said I wasn't gay. And I've got a few comments of, well, you're not right now or things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, the ever <laughs> you're just not drunk enough. Yeah, I have had one of my old bosses when I worked in a restaurant uh, ran into my brother in a gay bar, and I've been told me and my brother, besides him being a ginger and me being dirty blonde, that we look relatively similar. And he said that my brother was very, very attractive, and he looks at me and I look at him and I'm like, I'm walking away from this one. Like, I appreciate <laughs> I'm out. I'm leaving now. So. It's definitely been a fun time. Like I said, I I think people have a stigma in their head that gives people bad raps. And my friends are assholes, so we kind of <laughs> all throw each other into weird situations. Um, probably the most recent one was a few years back where my friend came back from uh, Hawaii. And she decided to buy me a Hawaiian men's firefighter calendar <laughs> and then took me to a gay bar. So I had to carry it around the gay bar the whole time. So that's nice. <laughs> good friends, David. I know we've got a uh, men's family law.com is the website for you. And the email for you is going to be uh, the David at men's family law.com. Where can they find your podcast? Well, you can find the men's family law podcast on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are listed. Nice. Great. I did see you got stitchers and iTunes ever on there. So we'll make sure that we put the description for, your podcast, your website, we have your email address. It's going to be listed within this podcast episode as well. So click the description, uh, go to it as well. You're also going to be able to find his podcast listing on the hermanjames.com right on the homepage. You have it in big bold down in the middle of that page for it there. So make sure you check out David. David, again, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to have some fun with me on here. Kind of educate me more on the legal system that what you specify and you practicing that I know nothing about. And hopefully I won't have to find out about and uh, divorce courts and family laws. And hopefully there's not a guy at my door asking to cut my balls.
<laughs> All right. Well, have a great one. It's been a very enjoyable afternoon, and I'd be happy to come back whenever you want me. Nice. We'll have to set up another time. All righty, man. Take care. Thank you. What is with the deadbeat parents? What is with these individuals that have oops babies and then turn these poor innocent children into fucking pawns in a game that they weren't meant to be played upon? Why are parents now asking, how do I parent my child? How do I discipline my child without getting them to not like me? Fuck you. They're supposed to fear and respect you all at the same time. They're not supposed to be able to fucking walk all over you, run around your fucking house, and you're scared to say anything because it might hurt their feelings. Fucking hurt their feelings. Fucking make them understand that this is how the world works. You are the parent. You are the authority. And this is what's going to happen. When a fucking two-year-old can run all over you and man your fucking life, you're doing it wrong. Figure out how to run your own fucking life before you decide that it's a good time to have a fucking child in this world. Because what's going to end up happening is you can't control yourself, you can't control a child, you're now in a relationship you didn't mean to be in in the first place, and now guess what? Now you're going to get divorced. Why? Because you weren't supposed to be in the first place. You had some sex that you thought was going to be a good time, that's eh, and now there's a baby in the world that didn't ask to be born, that didn't have any sort of will to be there and now because you're a fucking idiot you're gonna make their life a lot harder than it should have been you need to man up woman up have the fuck you want to say it understand exactly what it is you need to do because if you can't make things work with your partner he or she doesn't matter fucking gay or straight everyone's got kids nowadays you need to figure that shit out because when it doesn't work you need to figure out how to co-parent a child and that's just not easy you have to understand that it's not your world and your things that you're dealing with. Everything you say, do, and everything you act upon is something being viewed by a very impressionable mind. Someone's watching you in every fucking move you do, whether you think they are or they are not. They're seeing it, and perception is all they have. Whether it is something you mean to do, where it's not what you meant to have happen or have said to have done, or the reaction you wanted to have, they're watching. They're impressionable because that's what they are. They're children, that's what they do. Pets, same fucking thing. Yeah, pets are fun. They love everyone until they don't. Pets can't tell you how they feel. Babies can't tell you how they feel. Kids are afraid to tell you how they feel. Oh, that sounds weird to you? Because you just let your fucking five-year-old run across a goddamn res restaurant because he couldn't have an iPad. Oh, well, I didn't, I didn't want to have tech time. Fuck you, it's a fucking child. Be the goddamn adult. Step the fuck up. Oh, and men and women who can't pay their agreed upon amounts for child support, alimony, whatever it may be, knuckle the fuck up. You have an ability to pay fucking very minimal to make sure someone else has the ability to survive because that's what they have done. Men that have stay-at-home wives and women who have stay-at-home husbands, they have chosen that and you knew that before you got into a relationship. This is what they have done. They didn't have any outside influence, no outside understanding or any sort of training to go out into the world to get any other job. And being a stay-at-home parent isn't easy. Being the one that runs the house, pays the bills and does all that, again, 
Not easy. It's not like you just woke up one day and said, hey, it's time to be Peg fucking Bundy. Fuck you. Both are equally difficult. Both have their own challenges. Going to work and being a stay-at-home parent. Knuckle the fuck up. If you can't understand what it's like to be without someone, then try to make that not an option. Love them unconditionally. Be the person that they wanted you to be in the first place. The person you were supposed to be in the first place. And if you can't, then knuckle the fuck up because you're gonna pay through your fucking blood, sweat, tears, and your wallet because you have created a life with someone that they have created with you as well and you're both indebted to each other. And when you bring a child in this world, you are indebted to that child. No matter what you think about the other person, that child deserves the best. And that goes for pets too, because pets don't know what the fuck is going on. They deserve the world. They can't tell you what they want. They don't understand what's going on. And you can't neglect them either. Children eventually learn to talk and say that they're hungry and that this is not okay and they're scared. Pets, you have to understand their body language. If you can't do that either, you didn't deserve it in the first fucking place. So if you think you like someone and you want to stick it in or fucking ride it hard, realize that what you're thinking now could have consequences for the rest of your life. Wrap it up or get that bitch snipped and understand exactly what you're doing before you do it. Because if you can't, the decision you can't get rid of later. I want to thank David again for coming on the show today. I appreciate your willingness and the fun we had today was a good time and your knowledge is far beyond anything that I could possibly fathom on CSI and everything else. It was a good time to have you on. Everyone make sure to check out the mensfamilylaw.com, the Men's Family Law podcast as well. Links are going to be in this podcast description, so make sure you click the description, click links, check out David's site, check out the podcast. He has tons of great things and wants to know. Don't forget to check out the book, What About Wally at whataboutwally.com for co-parenting your pets. When you split, you don't have to be divorced to understand that a split is hard and dividing up your items as well as your pets is a hard thing to do. It's a fun way to understand exactly what you have to do. It also gives a nice little bit of money back to David for his time and for the book. I mean, why not have something out there? It's a reality in the world. I want to also thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. Don't forget to check out that PodCoin app. 300 points for free for just downloading the app and using the promo code The Rant. Don't forget to check out my friends on the No Phony Podcast Network. That's nophonynetwork.com. And I can't wait to be in your ears next week. Have a good day.